funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Silver Screen video with me, Jonathan, and my co-host Jacob. Jacob, how you doing today? Doing good, man. Ready to talk. Uh, ready to talk cinema. Ready to talk movies uh, with the great Camille Shushani, a real life, uh, real life Hollywood filmmaker uh, who has a movie out on Netflix um, that I keep mispronouncing the name of, and so I'll let you say the name of the movie. The name of the documentary, folks, is Leia and I, and it is a uh, it's a great documentary. It is about her and her friend's journey uh, to various places doing various drugs, and uh, it's really good. Like it's worth worth the watch. A little bit about growing up, a little bit about personal growth. So it was a good conversation. Um, had a lot of fun talking to Camille, and uh, yeah, you got anything else to add before we throw it to it? uh no no let's uh let's hit it i'm surprised you didn't i'm surprised you didn't take the bait and like criticize me about my pronunciation you know i was trying to take the high road but since you said that hey guys um when when <laughs> jacob uh says the name of camille's documentary uh he gets the name wrong he says leah opposed to leia but camille i want you to know if you're listening to this that i knew her name was leia so Look, I, I can't help it. I'm just an old country bumpkin from uh, from the south. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just. Uh, well, I mean, you're from the south. I mean, we're both from the south, but let's just specify. You're from like hill country. Yeah. And I'm from regular south. I'm from so. uh, I'm from hillbilly elegy, and you're from like uh, what claws on TNT. Sure, <laughs> whatever it is. You were born in a cave on the side of a hill. So, <laughs> so yeah, Leia and I, excuse me, excuse me, Camille, if you're listening, I'm sorry for getting the name of the documentary wrong. Hey, I'm just glad you fessed up to it and, uh, and we've got it out there now. So now everybody can, uh, can sleep better knowing it. So, <laughs> okay right. guys, but it really is a good conversation. We hope you enjoyed as much as we did. And thank you again, Camille, for coming on the show. Folks, our guest this week is a very talented writer and director. Uh, you can find her debut feature, Leah and I, currently streaming on Netflix. Please welcome to the show, Camille Shushani. Hi, Camille. Hey. Hi, Camille. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, we wanted to talk about your uh, your movie that people can find now on Netflix, uh, Leah and I. Um, you want to give us a little uh, kind of rundown on what the movie is about and... Um, uh, how you got the idea for this movie? Sure. Um, yes, yeah, so the movie is very much, uh, very just obviously documentary, but very true story of basically I was, uh, in college with, um, like my best friend and we had this, you know, beautiful relationship and she had just was such this luminous human being kind of. And, um, she also happened to have cystic fibrosis which is this genetic disease of the lungs. 
in which like the life expectancy is around 35 or 37 on average. Um, and you know, it was, you know, it it just, I think it does something to you as a person psychologically, spiritually, and on all these different ways to be told from like a very young age that you might die very young. Um, and it was something that when we were in college, we sort of like talked around a lot of the time, but mostly we were just sort of living and not worrying about it too much. But as we were graduating and trying to figure out what we were going to do kind of with the rest of our lives is what it felt like at the time. Um, uh, She just really was interested in, in, in looking at alternative medicine, really, really interested in traveling. Um, And so basically like we kind of decided to go to Mexico, Peru, Mexico and Peru really, and Chile and Colombia also, and kind of like, just look for what other kinds of medicines were out there that were not sort of like um, the classical Western medicine that she had been exposed to her whole life. And she had already had a sort of experience with alternative medicines. Um, And so we started from there basically. And so the documentary is that trip really, like it's the trip that we ended up being so lucky enough to go on um, and film basically the whole thing. And that is now the documentary that, is on Netflix somehow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I started watching this and I watched it whenever it was released on Netflix, just um, mm-hmm. uh, through, from knowing you through school and everything. And um, I, I started the doc because I actually used to be in a previous life. I used to be uh, uh, an RN. And mm. so I, I had taken care of patients with cystic fibrosis and um, mm. had like quite a bit of experience with it. And at the beginning, like the, the like nurse in me was just like, was just like, no, like, no, like take your antibiotics, like, what are you, doing? you know, like, just kind of like inwardly, like freaking out. And I was like, I don't know if I can handle this. And then of course, like it turns into this just beautiful kind of almost like coming of age story and like, yeah. I mean, maybe not coming of age, but like coming of like kind of like a quarter life crisis movie almost sure um, yeah <laughs> yeah and it, it was just it was just so like uh such a great story and so effective but like yeah at first i was it was like a horror movie for me at first I right. be honest with you. <laughs> yeah so i've funny. actually i've actually known a couple of people that did the biomagnetic therapy mm. and uh and yeah they actually saw a lot of success with it one was for nerve issues in their back and one was for a knee issue and uh they actually they swear by it, uh, so I thought that was pretty cool that that was kind of thrown in there. So oh, that's great! Yeah, that was the initial therapy that she had done when she was like thirteen, and she had had this very bad bacteria in her lungs. That it's like once you have it, it's sort of very nerve wracking. And she was on like IV and everything when she was uh, yeah thirteen, fourteen, and that was the the biomagnetism is the thing that sort of inspired it in a really big way. Yeah, it turns out to almost be, I feel like the alternative medicine kind of, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to say plot line because it was real, sure. obviously, but like that kind of thread, I guess, almost acts as kind of a red herring in a way. Yeah. <laughs> like it kind of like, it, it, you, know, you think that the movie is kind of, kind of be about that and it turns out not to be in a way, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think that's definitely true, you know? I think, like, it was funny, even when we set out to make the movie, I think we were, like, 
is this really just about medicine? Right. You know? right. <laughs> we were super confused. Like it was like we had all these things we wanted to say about what it was to be alive. I think like right. and young, maybe. Right. You know, it was just like there was so much that we were so uh, like almost like vibrating about, and it was like okay, also right we have to probably deal with this cf thing right like it's just right. like it's such a funny thing and it and it it was funny for us because like on some level we thought you know they were never gonna like there was no way anything from these medicines was actually gonna inform our view of our lives right. you know like we were right. like there's no way right like there's no way me like having a at the time like existential crisis about yeah quarter life crisis basically just like what am i doing what is what is existence like well like you know i didn't think like taking peyote was going to solve my problem yeah but um interesting yeah <laughs> well i actually didn't i actually hadn't planned on bringing up inspirations at this point but it reminds me of cuz you you would send over kind of uh three movies that you had talked about that were mm-hmm. you know kind of inspirations and it kind of makes me think of um uh, Alfonso Cuaron's uh, E to mm. Mama Tambien. Yes. Uh, because yes. it's like, I, I watched that movie uh, probably, I mean, I don't know, 15 years ago at this point, whenever it, mm. like close to after it came out. And I was just like, this is an instruction manual on how to exist. You know, like I was like, yes. This is... yes. And then, like, now that I'm like a little bit older and just like, you know, a couple years into my 30s, I'm like, are, were these kids always this young in this movie? Like, yeah. I, like, like they're, re- they really seem kind of like, I don't know, like it's really kind of a portrait of being like young and alive that I didn't realize yeah. at the time because I think I was so young, you know? And yeah. like now that I'm older, I'm like, Oh, this is a portrait of young people. I didn't realize that the first time I saw it, but, but you talking about just like kind of being young and alive and kind of vibrating with all these different things that, I think that kind of matches up with uh, the Quaron influence. I think is, is does that line up for you for your experience of that or not? Oh, for sure. I think like the thing that was so incredible about watching that movie for the first time was just that it like, and I was also I don't know, I was like twenty or something when I saw it for the first time. I was like, oh, there's just there's something so unspeakable about what happens to them also. Right. You know, like this, these, these two characters who have this like intense intimacy that they can't really talk about, you know, because of like all the homoerotic undertones that are happening and like masculinity and like just whatever, all of these things. And then this like sort of mysterious, beautiful thing happens to them that they kind of can't, get at with words and it breaks them you know and it was like it was and like everything about that movie it was so inspirational I mean from like the colors which we actually used to color correct Leia and I (laughs) which was super fun but like yeah like and just like the I don't know the attitude of the way that it was trying to portray things which was like at once like this miraculous moment but also like kind of sad always right. underneath that, um, which is also maybe what it feels like to be young and alive in this kind of way. Right, because you know it's it's not necessarily going to last, or that this right. is sort of like frozen in time in a way. Exactly, and and ayahuasca in the end, like with that that experience, especially for Leia, I think was just so shocking 
you know, it was so much like a confrontation with the self, you know, that you, you, that you, you know, and we asked for it, but it's like, it really is so intense of an experience to have and especially to do it six times also in 10 days (laughs) and that it it became like, you know, it was like, (laughs) like, you know, after the movie, like, how do we survive after this? Like, what is it? And, and like, even now, like making another movie with Leia, it's like, we are two different individuals coming together to do this. Like, it just is like, we we had to be away from each other, I think, not intentionally, but it worked out, we were away together from each other. It's been now, it's three years since we made the movie. Um, And uh, just, I think, come back as like different humans trying to talk about something else now. (laughs) Right. You know, that's fascinating. uh, I found like towards obviously the end after you're done with the ceremony and stuff, like we all like speaking of being young and all that, we all have these moments that, you know, yeah, this was so perfect. I would want to be frozen in time. Like this is what I want. So after you finished it, it it, it was kind of like uh, that line she said, it was kind of like a punch in the gut when it was like, they said like, to me it was, they were like, they said that the real like journey begins after you're done. And it's like, well, that's just going back to real life. Like who wants to do that? Once you've been in Peru doing ayahuasca in the mountains, like, yeah, now it's time to go back to the real world. Like, here we go. Like, yeah, that was, uh, that was tough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is tough. And I think like, it's also what growing up feels like sometimes, you know, and, Oh yeah, for sure. You know, like, and, and I think what my friendship with Leia often just feels like uh, a lot of the time is like we enter this world when we're together where it's just like, all right, anything can happen. Let's go, you know, and go on this whole adventure. And for me, I think she just lives like that all the time, to be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's like, what it that's what it seemed like. like Cause she was like jumping to Brussels and, and yeah. doing that. And I'm like, damn, that's uh that's pretty awesome. And now she's in Paris and it's yeah, like wow. <laughs> she still is like this, you know. And like when we're t- and she'll say to me, she's like, it's only when we're together that any of these experiences have any meaning for me, you know. Like I think that and she she obviously now like we we both are you know, we're able to like sort of be whole people without each other. I think like also when we were making this, we were so young that like our, our literal like beings were fused. We had spent, when we started that movie, we had spent every day together for like three years, you know? Mm-hmm. And like just really just been super entrenched in each other's lives. Um, and I think like there's wholeness now, but at the same time, I think it's very true that like she is just operating like on on a whole other frequency you know it's just like I am just doing life right now I'm living and just as a person I think it it was so healing for me to meet her you know because I'm come I come from such a um like conservative background really you know and like the the main priority is as as immigrant family is just to be safe all the time you know and to be with someone for whom like safety is just not the ultimate priority at all <laughs> was very beautiful for me. And I never, for a long time, I didn't understand like what exactly I was doing to her. You know, I felt like I was just like on a, on a ride, honestly, that I was just grateful to be on sometimes and just receiving this like ridiculous love from this person. And, and it's nice though. She tells me all the time. It's like all these things like um, they, they, they feel more meaningful with you. Like as if there's like a, 
they're more than a collection of an ex- of experiences, right? Like they actually are, they add up to something in the end, you know, which is nice. <laughs> no, I think now that, I, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, John. Well, I just had a quick question. I, I believe in the documentary, you said it was for your 23rd birthday that she talked you into bungee jumping. Yeah. Um, was yeah. that a hard sell or were you immediately like, oh, hell yeah, let's jump off this bridge. Right. It's funny. That was my 22nd birthday and the 23rd 22nd. birthday okay. we went on yeah. the trip. But I think like the 20, it was, it's funny because I actually did, uh, before I made the movie, I wrote a solo performance for a class my senior year that was about her trying to get me to bungee jump off this, <laughs> off this thing. And it was funny because what it was, it was like, we woke up in the morning and I had no idea where we were going. And she was like, just drive. And she like drove me into the mountains, me driving. She directed me into the mountains above Pasadena um, in the Angeles National Forest. And she was like, okay, now stop. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I had no idea where we were. I don't know what was going on. And then we get there and she's like, okay, so we're bungee jumping today. <laughs> like, wow. all right. It's like 9am. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, and then basically like I, at that point it just wasn't, and I, you know, you, you get to the top of the thing and you're like, either I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. But like, why would I not do this now? You right. know, like you kind of get to this moment where you're like the especially with these things like bungee jumping and the movie itself in a huge way, right? Like you just get to this point where you're like, either I do this or I don't, right? Like, and the reasons why I won't is because I'm scared and that's it. And that alone at this point is not a good enough reason. And, and, uh, you know, since then I've like learned, I don't have to necessarily do everything just because I am scared of it, which was definitely an attitude <laughs> I adopted for a second. <laughs> but um, it's true that for me, like, you know, like the happiest I, I am, you know, is when I'm like, just forcing myself, like not forcing, but like moving myself, maybe just like slightly beyond my perceived limitation. And it just like, even that slight, move which maybe isn't always bungee jumping on saturday morning at 9 a.m but whatever it is like you know whether it's like having a certain kind of conversation or just like extending myself somehow it tends to bring me like just everything feels more magical you know like just in life and um she she really uh pushed me there in a big way in a bit in the movie being the best example of this right like well, thinking of thinking of the movie in that way, and kind of as uh, thinking of your 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 kind of partnership almost with her, it's like um, I don't know. It's like it, it's it's interesting because it's like Leah seems to be, or she comes across in this in the movie as kind of like a, this kind of unbridled human spirit, and it's like mm. your kind of responsibility as the artist to like translate this for. Mm you know, the rest of us, us being, I guess, I don't know, humanity or whoever, you know, whoever (laughs) can have access to the movie or to your, whatever work of art you're working on. But like, I don't know. I think that's really interesting of like, of like your kind of like, I don't know. You almost have like a responsibility in a way of like, well, I'm like, it's not just that I'm like the quote unquote level headed one in the relationship or the straight man or whatever. Like I'm, it's my responsibility to, translate and bottle up this energy and put it into something and that turns out to be a movie you know i don't know i think that's really fascinating 
Yeah. Yeah, de- definitely. I think the joke was when we first started making it, it was just that, you know, the whole time, you know, the three years that I was friends, like best friends with Leia before we made this movie is like, I just, I just kept trying to explain to people why she was so amazing. You know, like I just was constantly like, just being like, no, you don't understand. Like she's so amazing. Like it's like, and you, you know, I, 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 I've since changed my phrasing. She is so amazing. It's also just like something about the one we're together is just really special Right. you know but but like it is like i i kept just like yeah like trying to like really gesticulate my way into getting this to people like <laughs> waving my hands around being like no you don't understand and eventually like and like this is how i feel when i'm around her it's like this you know this right. is what well, you get a, like, now you get a movie you can show them right so, exactly yeah. it was almost like i just needed to say this and so this was this is what it was and she also though you know very much needed to say something also and i think like she she really co-wrote the movie with me and like produced the movie also you know right. she really produced the movie like the whole budgeting like everywhere everything she did everything and she really also just had something she wanted to show about herself and about like what it was the i think for her so much like the possibilities of being alive you know right. it's so important for her that people i think understand that they're alive you know, um, right. that the, the gift of life, like, and I think, yeah, it's funny to think about now when everything is so hard, actually. Right. But yeah. Right. Well, it's definitely interesting to, to, to watch the documentary and just be like, like, it's just one of those cases where it's like, look at this person living their life. Like they're, she, she's not letting it define her in any way. And like, she's still able to like travel and do all this crazy shit and have this amazing life. And it's like, in that case, like you don't like people watching that, you don't have an excuse, go live your life. Exactly. And like, that's one of the big takeaways exactly. from it. And yeah. I, I appreciate that type of uh, thought in, in a project like that. So, so yeah. I was going to ask you, um, let's get into the nuts and bolts of a little bit. How, like, how did you fund this movie? Like how did sure. this, uh, what was like pre-production like, like what was, um, yeah. And just in general, like how, how did the planning go about? How did, uh, did you have like, um, like funders or was there a production company on board or was this wholly independent? Like how, how did that all come together? Yeah. Um, so we started off by having a Kickstarter actually, which okay you can still find if you google it which is funny and it's basically like i when we were in belgium like during the movie time in the movie we're also in belgium during that time basically i had borrowed my friend's camera and i was just shooting i was just shooting us in belgium like going to the doctor and like planning just planning things and during that time i made the kickstarter video basically and we sort of started like understanding what it was that we were actually going to do. And we were trying to decide like how serious this project was also. That was a really big thing because in a lot of ways we were two 22 year old girls. She was 21 at the time. I had no experience with anything. It was so new and it was just like, all right, like make a movie now. I'm like, okay. So we set up a Kickstarter and I made this little thing and we started just talking to people in LA who are friends of friends or family friends being like, how does one make a film? <laughs> and they were like, well, you should use this camera and do this. And we're like, okay. And so we're like asking all these people and just kind of figuring out really piece by piece, honestly, like yeah. very just 
piece by piece, like, what is it that goes into this? And, you know, everyone told us like, your image will be fine. You just make sure you have good sound equipment. This was like a huge thing that that was like the biggest advice for documentary that was super helpful for us. Um, And so put the Kickstarter together, ended up working out, which was great. Went like well above our, our thing. And and we're very lucky for that. It was, it was amazing. And with that money, we were able to like go on the trip and start editing. Right. And then when we came back, it was, I mean, there were so many tiny miracles with this film in terms of production that are hard to even really like, it's just crazy. And one of them was just that this woman Delphine, she had met Leia in uh, in the hospital because her son also had cystic fibrosis. And Delphine was a very young mother who also owned like a yogurt empire basically through Central and South America. And um, she was the one who put Leia in contact at first with the um, biomagnetist. Mm. Um, and basically she um, she had had it let us stay in her apartment in Mexico City when we were there. And then when we came back and we were looking for funding to finish the movie, she basically just offered to produce it fully and gave us the funding for the movie, which was remarkable also. I mean, it wasn't that much money. It was, I mean, for a movie, it was $30,000, but it was remarkable because she she had no guarantee at all on a return on her investment. Like it was very unlikely she was going to make this money back, you know? And then, and, um, but she really believed in us and she was really amazing about it. And she let us do whatever we wanted, you know, like really just let us do whatever we wanted. And yeah. So we ended up, you know, uh, finishing the film from like start to finish. I think the whole thing, like including the trip was a year um and yeah that was that was that was how the movie was funded that was how the movie was funded so about about the shooting it i'm interested what what equipment did you have with you I and mean, obviously you've got a camera um what did you yes. do as far as sound or like what else i guess yes. what did you what did you need with you to like shoot a movie on the fly i'm assuming like a laptop or like you know yes know. Yes. Well, it was, <laughs> I wouldn't say the most responsibly done shooting thing, but it, it, it worked. It was basically like we had a C100, a Canon C100, which is like the starter, like um, the starter. It was perfect. Honestly, it's a perfect documentary camera. It's small enough. Um, and it's like a proper cinema camera. Like it's not a DSLR so you're able to have these like sound inputs that are the XLR. Sorry, this is now really technical, but the XLR cables, you know, mm-hmm. so instead of just a normal like tiny mic cable or whatever, you have proper um, XLR, which is what makes the sound quality so much better as opposed to just having like a like a little strap on mic, you know, onto sure. the camera. We did also have a shotgun mic on the camera. And also we had two um lavaliers like wireless labs which are amazing <laughs> like amazing highly recommend to anyone who is making a documentary is the sanitizer wireless lavaliers like they were really helpful um because you could just like basically lav leia or and me and then just move on through the world and everything we were saying was coming out perfectly and the background noise was sort of like filtered in a really positive way Wow. Um, so you had no you had no lag or anything using the wireless setup? Nope, because that's awesome. It was it was great. 
it was really great. Um, and they go really far also. So we could be really far away from each other. Um, and I could be behind the camera. You know, it was all really that that was really a lot of what worked out um, for that. So I th- that that was literally all we had, I think. I and I would just like upload the <laughs> we had one hard drive, like one uh, drive, you know, because mm-hmm. I had like either given the other one to the editor or something. I don't know, something kind of stupid. So it was kind of insane, very high stakes because the whole movie was just on this one drive that I just kept with me all the time. <laughs> oh boy! So terrified, <laughs> I was gonna just lose this thing, and it would be so in character for us to have done that, you know, like, and it was just, oh uh, god, terrified of losing all of it at any moment, but. It actually worked out. Nothing was lost. Thank God. So <laughs> that's yeah, especially with like the amount of drugs done in this movie. Right. It's like exactly. You just expect to like wake up one day and be like, so I ate the hard drive, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It was extremely. Um, yeah, it was an extremely confusing, confusing time, but we got through it. It worked out. We were, we were pretty proud of ourselves. We were pretty lucid through that experience. And also, dude, I also filmed quite a bit, actually, just on the on my iPhone, actually. Right. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. There's, like, certain certain scenes that are just fully filmed um, on iPhone, and it worked. I think probably, like, probably a fourth of the movie or something is just on iPhone. So... Uh, I actually want to bring in uh, uh, talk about another uh, influence of yours um, sure. into this because I I recently rewatched uh, the Gleaners and I, which is mm, just yeah. an incredible movie. Um, yeah, and so I was wondering if you could talk about how that influenced you. And I guess the reason I'm thinking about it is because you know there's some of those like when when some directors discovered like digital you know technology around mm. like the late '90s or early 2000s, and it's it's always an interesting aesthetic choice, but then it's so strange to like go back and watch those because it's like, like my phone takes higher quality, right? Exactly. You know, images like of my dog than like Agnes yeah. Varda does on, you know, like one of her most acclaimed movies, or that John Goodard does. You know, it's like I don't know. It's such a weird like time capsule to go back and see these like great directors like Michael Mann like fucking around with like. 260p or something you know exactly yeah, i know it's like and in in, in agnes Varda, she's like looking at her hand through the window in the right. it's like it's like beautiful but it's like so shitty yeah no yeah yeah um, i mean like honestly like as like I, it's you don't want to sound sacrilegious but you're like this looks like shit like yeah like everything looks like all the colors look washed out like it's i don't know yeah. it's, it's, it's like a weird uh I don't know time capsule to go through, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Can you- well, I, oh, I will say real quick, like I, I've mentioned, uh, Jacob, I, I mentioned this to him in the past on the podcast. I'm a fan of watching stuff on VHS mm. and uh, and and watching this old media. So when I was watching the Gleaners, and I it was my first time watching it, it was mm. fantastic. I really loved it, but I loved that was one of the aspects that pulled me in. Like I understand that it's not it's not as nice as you know, how clear things are on today's cameras and stuff. But I really, um, I really dug the way it kind of pulled you in with that, like kind of blurry, shitty type of uh, vision. Like, I don't know. It was just really interesting to me. It kind of added a level and it really fit the film as well because it was kind of grimy at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It, but I, yeah, I loved the documentary. I'd never seen it before and it, it, it was mind blowing. I genuinely was, uh, was blown away on it. 
yeah it was it's beautiful and I think you know that that exact combination right so like the combination of it being super low lo-fi we can say and also just profound like deeply profound Mm -hmm. meditation on aging and love and giving and the environment like all of these things at the same time I think was why this movie was so inspirational it was like this woman just took a camera and just just did it and that she had received like it was almost like because it was digital she was able to have so much freedom in the way that she moved around the world and I don't think that she had had before um and she was really celebrating that freedom in that movie in such a beautiful way like she was just seeing these people in their own environments like and still allowing it to be artful you know despite the fact that this was the video camera that my mom used to shoot like my dance videos when I was like seven (laughs) you know it's like (laughs) it's like there was still like such artistry in the composition and in her in her narration also right the narration is also very profound and and also sort of whimsical and you know it's Agnes Varda being Agnes Varda so she's just like just allowing her her personality to be infused into everything that she's seeing without taking over anything that she's seeing. And yeah. Yeah. Well, there's this scene where she, she's just like, well, I forgot to turn the camera off. Um, so we're just going to watch the dance of the lens. And for like, (laughs) for like 60 seconds, you've got this great music playing and you're just watching the ground and the lens move. And it's just like, it was just great. Exactly. And she's able to do stuff like that without seeming really pretentious at all. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's, it's beautiful. You know, she's just playing and you just get that sense through this that she's able to hit these like really light notes at the same time be incredibly profound about, again, what it is to be alive and in these like strange human bodies, you know? And you just get that combination. And I just, and it's sad sometimes and it's, but it's, it's never hopeless. It's never despairing. Um, And she finds such beauty in potatoes, you know, and stuff like this was just, it was really, it was so helpful for me as like someone who had never shot anything before also and felt very intimidated, I think, like by the world of film, although I was in film school at USC, which maybe actually made it worse. But like I was, I was doing, you know, in film school, I was always doing like film, like analysis. Like I wasn't making movies. I was just thinking about movies. And so it, it had become like this just huge concept to me, like that I could never broach, you know, and also like being like, all right, I'm also 22 and I'm going to make a feature documentary now, the first thing I'm doing. And it was just, it was just <laughs> like a lot. And I think watching that was so comforting because it was like, oh, I can just be myself actually like and Leia can just be herself and like there's profundity in that in that experience of life always right it doesn't you don't have to be a genius you can just be honest (laughs) you know and there was something kind of very important I think also just I mean it sounds funny like almost but it's just that she was a woman also and there was like acknowledgement of that and in all her work, you know, there's acknowledgement of that in this really particular kind of way, which is like that it's not the defining characteristic of her work in any kind of way, but it is, there's anger and there's like um, awareness, at least a consciousness of this that really was just also very helpful and, and a sort of like 
feminine warmth even I can say maybe like in the way that she was treating people and her approach to what it means to be a director also I think it was not these like sort of muscular masculine like it's my vision and my world and I'm like you know kind of getting you involved in what that feels like in a sort of forceful way it's it's quite languid and yet still just genius I think you know yeah, it makes me um, along those same lines. I actually um, uh, was going to ask you, and I guess we'll still ask you the question of mm. kind of how to, you know, how it felt navigating the line between like you know best friend and like director mm. slash artist. You know, because I think of like this, uh, you know, Joan Didion quote that's everybody knows, where she's like, a, you know, writers always betraying somebody. You know, which mm. I don't think that's necessarily true, but like, and then I thought about it in in regards to like Agnes Varda. And I'm like, who is Agnes Varda betraying in the Gleaners? And I don't think she's betraying anybody. You know, like there's, yeah, I, I don't know. Joan Didion is like, a, obviously a different kind of artist, but I feel like Joan Didion is like when she says that she's she's kind of like, you, you know, kind of like uh, cosplaying as like Hunter S. Thompson or whatever. Whereas sure. Agnes Varda would be like, <laughs> Agnes Varda would be like, I'm not. Like I'm not betraying anybody. I'm just I'm just doing what I think it would be good, you know. Yes, that's such a beautiful point. Honestly, thank you for saying that. I think like, um, yeah, no, I think that she would not say that. And I think like in the process of making a a film, also is just like, you know, you're you are especially like just in the process of just kind of putting a camera in someone's face you know there's like some there's a lot going on in that moment um and there's a lot of just immediately going on without you really wanting to have to deal with that at all like there's just inherent strangeness of like some i'm now watching you and and i think invasive or something yeah and and i think like that's in a funny kind of maybe horrible way that is a natural part of my personality i'm always just watching people and I think like that, that, that is just, there is an objectification that just happens, right? right like right. it just happens. Like, and especially when you're thinking, you're trying to think about someone um, as, as a, apart from trying to share what someone is like to other people that is always happening also. Right. But um, at the same time, like, and it was hard. There were a lot of hard moments, definitely. And there was a lot of questioning about like, what is actually happening here? Like, do does, does she trust me to do this also? Do I trust myself to do this? Like really fundamental questions about what does it mean actually, right? To, to, to depict someone's life um, and to put someone on screen and, and all these questions of like also artist and muse. And is that the relationship that's happening? And the answer is no, really, right? Like it's a very... Uh, it's a co-creative process of course though this there's an inherent sort of duality that we've made into this which is what makes it interesting also right but I think I think like ultimately like what was very interesting that I learned through this process is that there is a way to do this with respect and without betraying someone like and still say something like profound like and it just requires so much more effort (laughs) I think it's just what it is like it just requires like it's like a real dialogue between people and a real like and the idea of saying I'm actually co-creating this with you I am not the artist like by myself alone in a room and I think that is what makes Agnes Varda so special 
it's like she's she goes and she sees like you know this man's like crazy home that he built in this countryside somewhere that's like made of cans I don't really remember but you know this wild situation and she goes in there and she sees him as an equal clearly like just in the way that she allows him to talk in the movie and the way that she shoots him it's like it is not an exploitative moment. It's like a moment of like, look at how, look at this person's co-creation, right. you know, like just demonstrating their complication. It's not just their goodness. It's their, it's their wholeness. And I think that, that, that letting go of the artistic, like control and dominance is like part of that in a really intense way. And like, for me actually also moving forward, it's like, how do I break down this, wall between creator and 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 subject and just reveal this to be a farce right and and in the movie we play with this a little bit like you know the way that she turns the camera on me like formally it's it's there but Mm -hmm. I think that that is that is um very important to me actually like as an artist moving forward you know yeah. I, well, actually, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I just had a quick question. I had this question jotted down. Speaking of when she turns the camera on you, I know when when filmmakers uh, make documentaries or they kind of get into that world, like there's always a bit of apprehension about do I need to go on camera? Will mm. it betray anything? And also, when do I need to do it? Like, yes. was that a moment that happened organically, or was that something you had planned? Like, um, that in particular was definitely a moment that happened organically, but. I think that um, that tension of Leia turning the camera on me was like a just a tension that was existing throughout the the process of filming. She always wanted to turn the camera on me, and I was always like, ah, I don't know. Like sometimes fine with it, sometimes not. And then when we went to go put the movie together, it very clearly emerged as like, when are we going to see Camille? Like it was like this question of like when what is the moment like are we seeing her from the beginning like is what you know what is this and the editor actually like I think in the beginning we were seeing me a little bit in the beginning um not a lot and the editor at one point just like called me and was like what if we just don't see you really until this point like we just don't allow it and then just from that recommendation, it actually was able to be solidified for me at least into a whole thread of the film, which is like, what does it really mean to be involved? <laughs> you know, like to oh, yeah. be part of this process, like, and and there's no way to do this without being involved. And that that moment was, you know, we were able to. There was, you know, there's shots of me before that moment, but you know, just allowing that to, in the movie to be highlighted that way, I think, like was that was that was what it was but yes that moment was by itself pretty organic i was kind of freaking out i think in that moment like in the village just like uh what's happening where are we yeah i i think that um i mean at least that's how i chose to read it especially since we um you know or you know we had just watched gleaners and i um you know and was thinking about the kind of agnes varda inspiration like formally, I think that's how it functions in the finished mm. film. I think it, I think it really functions as like a moment where you are kind of, or where the kind of, um, uh, you, you know, the the I guess for lack of a better word, masculine like director, mm. creator, like artistic genius energy, like completely like breaks down and. Yeah, you because I feel like you I feel like you almost like nod your head a little bit like 
like kind of like telling her that it's okay at least that's how it mm. kind of reads and like mm. I, I don't know you're not looking like at the moment you're not looking like some big like director artist or whatever you look like vulnerable and kind of scared and like i don't know that yeah. that struck me as like that kind of that kind of moment like form like even like taking it completely out of like from the perspective as a creator like of like a working like practice like just formally in the movie i think that moment like kind of functions to like show that almost in a way mm. so I, I i guess what i'm saying is it, it worked good job <laughs> great i'm so glad to hear it honestly that's so nice <laughs> so so let's talk about the kind of post-production and editing you said you worked with an editor what was that like i guess what yes. was um um I, I don't know i guess what was that like collaborating with an editor how, like how does sure. how does that work um it was so beautiful actually so the editor was one of my friends from film school um and he uh and i have known each other since we were 18 and basically, he, he, I mean, he's incredibly talented and has also just wonderful comedic timing, actually. Mm. Um, and uh, I came back and we had 127 hours of footage. Oh, my um, God. And he and I really just sat down and watched all of it. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> him more thoroughly than me. I couldn't watch some things. Like it was really hard for me to watch myself talk. And I was just like, also sent him messages like, please skip like blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, it was, you know, hours of footage of me and Leia just like talking at each other. And like, we just do that forever, you know? And, and I think like, sometimes that's valuable most of the time it isn't and really in the movie there's very few moments where we're just actually talking with each other in the kind of like a long form way that we normally do um which is not super visually interesting it turns out or audibly interesting <laughs> uh, but um um but it was really interesting to watch all the footage because it was it was always like just very clear when something was the right feeling, you know, like you would watch it and then, right. you know, 10 minutes and you're like, oh, this moment right here, like there's something about this. And so that was basically what it was, was we, I went through and like rated every clip or whatever, like one through five or something. And the fives were the moments that I definitely wanted to see. The fours were like, this is interesting. And the threes were like, okay, this is maybe would work. And he basically, from that, made a three-hour cut of the film, which was sort of just, like, everything interesting and all the possible storylines, like, kind of just played out as almost, like, a very, like, cinema verite type thing, right? right. It's just, like, things happening one after the other, like, sort of engrossing to watch in a crazy way, actually. Like, there was something about it that was kind of interesting. Um but then from there, we just basically started taking things out. Like it became like a, this matter of like stripping the film mm. of everything that felt extra, whittling it down, whittling it down until we got to it being about an hour 30. And then being like, all right, so this movie is now just this sort of like verite, like one hour like thing. Now it's time to actually talk about character journeys, arc, and like the narration really at the end. Right. Um, so what is not clear? Like, you know, like what is not clear immediately? Like, why are we in this village? Like, is, like you know, you need a lot of narration to get us there. Who is this man, Arturo? Like, what is going on? Like, just like, like just 
like really just understanding comprehensibility on like a really basic level right right um and then like what are the arcs of these characters actually like just really playing them out like as a film and, and really in a really funny way just Leia and I really wrote it as just a like really classic like I thought it would be so funny to just have this like very classic hero's journey in a documentary mm-hmm. you know and that was what happened like we just gave Leia like a full hero's journey like like leaving you know we did the whole thing and like also we never made anything before so it was the easiest thing to do <laughs> you right. know and so um just like did this like all our our relationship like tracked the relationship between the two of us and like made sure that it worked and then at at the end wrote the dialogue i mean not the dialogue the narration right and then started recording it over and then you know the editor would put it in and i would watch each scene with it and then it would sound horrible (laughs) and i would rewrite (laughs) it and uh yeah that was basically it just keep rewriting the narration recutting and getting closer and closer until we got to a place that felt like you know i always think it's like the end is like the place of diminishing returns where it's like now i'm just putting in so much effort and like the change is like tiny so that was uh that was where it ended basically (laughs) Now, were there any scenes that he, like the editor had to really convince you to put in? Like maybe like you were like, look, I don't want this in. It's too whatever. But he, like they felt it really needed to be in the, in the Mm. film. It was more probably the other way (laughs) where we were like, probably we could have this in the movie and we could have this in the movie. And he was like, uh, no, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) no, I, I'm trying to think like, what was something that he really liked he like loved arturo you know like the guy in the movie who's like taking us to the village you know oh yeah and he had so much fun editing arturo and um stuff like that but the movie is pretty it's pretty lean right like it's like we really want it to be under uh 90 minutes you know we wanted it to feel like fast um like so that was what that was your goal from the beginning to kind of keep it lean and mean and just keep it moving yep 100 percent. like never wanted anyone to be bored and i think that was partly like an insecurity of just being young and like not wanting like not trusting fully that like we could just sit in something like retrospectively i watched the movie and i and i i'm like this could just be longer like we could just sit in this a little bit like it's okay you know but also you know there was something about the energy of like this just really fast sort of like frenetic experience that was kind of what it felt like. And also I think actually what ended up helping it get onto Netflix in a funny way. Um, Like there was no, um, there was no fat really is what it felt like. Um, You you know, I I feel like I, um, I feel like that instinct is a really good one. And like, I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like I even tell my students this in regarding to like essay writing. It's like you, you have the deck stacked against you, right? Like, yeah. Like, because you're like young and like, you're doing this for the first time. It's like, people are going to like, people are going to like air on, they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt, right. To like wonder and right. kind of meander. And so like, you know, like with essay writing, it's like, just, just structure an essay around an epiphany, right. It may yeah. seem like it's rote and it may seem like it's, you know, oh, this is what everybody does. But like, unless you do that, like, 
no one's going to read your early work. And I feel like this is, I don't know. I feel like this is like similar. And like the fact that you mm. structure like, it's so easy. You could have like, you yes. could have just been like, Oh, this is like 90 minutes of this. And this is what happened. And we went on this trip and that's it. But the fact that you give it a hero's journey, like I think makes it like uh, so much more impactful and so much more, mm. I don't know. It, it feels like such a better way to kind of get, get going I guess or to like um I don't know because for, for me the moment when and I won't spoil it but the moment when um Leia kind of says why she won't take her antibiotics towards the mm, end you know mm-hmm. that like that moment was like you know a really really earned moment of like authentic kind of like character pathos mm. and like just because it's not like um you know kind of this like three hour long verite discursive thing like doesn't mean that it is somehow not meaningful it's actually like really powerful in that moment and i think because it has that structure as opposed to you know something like well sherman's march for example which i think is right. good. it's good you know for its own reasons um but just in, in the sake of time i want to talk a little bit about uh netflix and how because i mean you know netflix i feel like netflix has almost become like it's like cable, but it's only one channel. Like, you know, it's, it's like become synonymous with like television or content or whatever. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering how, how did that happen? What was the distribution process like? Or like, um, I don't know, did you enter in any festivals or like, how did, how did all this work? The fact that we can just like watch your movie on Netflix. Right. So we finished the movie in August of 2018, exactly one year when we started. And I had to move to New York <laughs> to start right. graduate school, which was kind of crazy. But um, I, so we we said, okay, we're gonna, we had a big screening for all the Kickstarter backers um, who had initially backed the project the year before. And we invited everyone. And one of the people who was there happened to be one of Leia's parents' friends, one of her family friends who worked at Warner Brothers um in distribution and he watched the movie and was like shocked kind of because he thought he was gonna watch like you know a student film basically which is a very understandable assumption i thought i was gonna watch a student film you know (laughs) and and he was like okay like i really want to show this to the people at warner brothers and i think this could be on netflix like can you send me a dcp you know, like really, really high quality version of the film. And we're like, yeah. And I'm like, there's no way this is real. You know, I'm like, there's just absolutely no way. Like this is like anything, but okay. So we're like getting the DCP together, literally taking our sweet time. Like, and, and um, meanwhile, submitting to like Sundance and South by and like all these documentary festivals and all this stuff. And I, you know, and the thing is, is the movie is not a big, it, it doesn't, whatever like these festivals are now I don't and also as a documentary it's not exactly like festival fair I think just because it's not so much like an issues documentary even though there is an issue right it's kind of like this meandering thing and it's uh, you know it it didn't feel like it's I don't know it didn't feel like the thing that is gonna end up in a festival necessarily also so small no production company Uh, very like just not you know not necessarily it for festivals I was nervous but I was like okay and you know we submitted 
And then in, well, actually, exactly again, this time, two years ago, um, he showed it to, he ended up showing it to Warner Brothers in a screening room at Warner Brothers to the audience. They really, or to the, I guess, executives. They really liked it. And then they basically then invited over Netflix, who then just kind of like immediately was like, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> wow. Like, and so really before we ever heard back from Sundance or anything else, they agreed to buy it. Um, wow. And, you know, we thought about it. We're like, do we you know, want to attempt these festivals? But it was kind of like, well, the point would be to do this at the end. And also, I mean, it sounds fun, but this is this works for us right now. Right. Um, and this is amazing also. Like this is just crazy, <laughs> like so beautiful of a thing and you know, really over the overwhelming feeling that uh we had done like you know, that that this movie just wanted to be seen, kind of. Right. Like that it really felt like you know, there was nothing that you know, we had we had made something so beautiful for sure and like had put all our heart and soul into something and like with all integrity and so many miracles had allowed it to exist, but also that you know this, this was you know the movie just wanted to be seen there was nothing that it was not about us really um and so yeah but it took a while because there was like a lot of negotiation that needed to happen between warner brothers and netflix and eventually warner brothers like pulled out it was like a whole thing and then eventually netflix just kind of was like okay we're putting it on like august 2nd we're like okay <laughs> and so yeah it just ended up and it was it was hard because like we had no marketing strategy we had we got just me and leia right so like it was right. like a little bit confusing and i think like next time if we get to make another film which hopefully we do that um you know we we'll have more just understanding kind of of how it works but um yeah so it just went on the platform august 2nd that's awesome what now yeah that that's that's an amazing story yeah that's that's great yeah i just just thinking about the um i mean i don't know depending on what you're comfortable talking about and i don't know we can even edit around um if if you're um i don't know depending on what you what you think but just talking about like financials like how much i mean you know because there's there's so much news like i saw i mean even a tweet today i saw someone like like wrote a hit song that was played like 2 million times and they made like, you know, $30 on it or whatever. So (laughs) I don't know. I'm just curious about like, what's, you know, uh, obviously Netflix is able to like, you know, distribute your film and people all over the world can see it. But like, I just wonder, like, I mean, do you feel like you got fairly compensated? Are you comfortable with even talking about that? I guess, like, did you make yeah. the money back? Did you make any money? Yes. I mean, you know, cause you put yes. in work on this, you know? Yes. Um, I think we, we got paid probably exactly what we deserved is what I think. So okay. in, in the same way, we made all our money back and me and Leia and the producer each were able to also make money besides that. Um, which was nice, like not a whole lot of money, but definitely sure. felt like, felt like, you know, nice, nice. And was, and I, I'm, you know, like just felt like something that I haven't touched so much also. Um, right. So it's like, feels like a really beautiful buoy onto whatever I'm able to do next, not to actually fund it, obviously not even close, but like <laughs> just to exist for like sure. a, a little bit and not, overly stressed about anything um so that was nice but definitely netflix is um i mean for them this was like like 
ascent i think you know like it was like so irrelevant so beyond irrelevant you know the the sum of money like um and so it 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 was it worked out and felt fair to us we also had warner brothers like in the beginning just fully arguing on our behalf you know so like it was warner brothers who really dealt the deal for with us for them so it was like we were we had like randomly like these huge this other huge like studio on the other side so for some reason representing us <laughs> like right. um so it, it was okay but um yeah no it wasn't like a, a horrible situation i think like it, it it worked out for us also and um definitely like yeah, for, for, for what the project was, it felt appropriate. I think if we had put in like a lot, like, but dude, that mean, you know, the total cost of this movie to us was $60,000, you know? Right. And I think if we had put in any, like $100,000 even, this would have been a different, like it would have been more um, stressful maybe. Even then it still would have been okay. But like just these, these, the, because the movie was so low budget, you know? Right. It was easy to win. It's easy to feel like we won money wise. Right. Um, versus like if you pay, you know, for example, like moving forward and we want to make a like a feature, like a narrative film, like it's going to take just more money. Um, sure. Yeah. And so it's not something that I think we can do at quite as <laughs> like um, playfully, maybe. <laughs> Although, sure. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Now, are you are you planning on trying to do another Kickstarter for your next project or? No, I, I don't think so. I think, okay. I mean, I don't, you know, my goal in life is to be in Hollywood without feeling like I'm in Hollywood at all. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that will happen, but it seems to work out, worked out so far. But I think I, I, I really would love to be able to like write this movie fully with Leia. We're in the middle of writing it right now um, and be able to like shop it less as a script and more as like a full project where like either we're co-directing or she's acting in it and I'm directing and um yeah that we can like shop it as a complete thing that we want to do and be like will you fund this right. you know to to these different places and I have no idea how this is going to work I'm so inexperienced but um that's like the dream to be able to make like a very small film you know um but but that we have more creative freedom and um yeah so that's kind of the situation is to to be able to be given that money from netflix or or a production company who's interested or something like this um yeah we'll see what happens (laughs) hey well having a uh having a really good uh documentary already on netflix under your belt that's uh that's gonna be a step in the right direction yeah (laughs) yeah i mean and the nice thing with the movie also is just that like i have there's a thing with it where it's like i think people if people have if people vibe with it you know they tend to really vibe with it if they don't they don't you know i don't know i i don't know i'm i just don't know about it i guess if they don't but like when people like really feel good about it they really do and i think it's, it's it's a big matter of just like getting the right person to watch it you know, and it's, and it's beautiful because it feels like with many kinds of art, it's like, feels like waving a flag in a really intense way. And like, whoever is drawn to that flag will come. And I, I'm hoping that that's also how, and I think it will be hopefully how the actual 
production process works. You know, this is said with the utmost naivete. So I, let's see what happens. But, you know, like, <laughs> I'm my, I have um, a good feeling. So let's see. Hell yeah. All right. Well, Camille, um, thanks for coming on. Uh, we got to let you get going. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, guys. Thank yeah, of course. This is Jonathan. great. Uh, yeah. Best of luck on your your future projects. And uh, Thank you. we'll have you back after you win your first Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah. And guys, if you haven't watched the uh, documentary, make sure you go check it out. It is, it is on Netflix. And a belated congratulations because getting on Netflix is just such a huge deal. Thank so. You. That, that's great. Well-deserved. It was a great documentary. So thanks for coming on. We really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, guys.